the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Money investing and more. Yesterday, we had slightly mixed markets with the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average up a healthy one-third to one-half a percent. And the NASDAQ down just fractions. Whether you're into stocks or into crypto, blondes or brunettes, muscles or dad bods, there was something to celebrate yesterday. The Dow touched a record high. The S&P 500 gained for a sixth straight day. Bitcoin hit a record as well. There was a lot to love. JJ, J&J, Johnson, Johnson. And Moderna boosters are nearly cleared for takeoff after an FDA authorized them for tens of millions of eligible Americans. Regulators also approved a mixed match program that allows people who've received one brand's vaccine to get another of a booster. Um, COVID's not working out the way we want it to. The idea of herd immunity, probably not going to happen in large part due to too many Republicans and Democrats feuding about science and vaccines. On top of that, you get into status of rich versus poor, educated versus non-educated. We are a divided nation. I'm not saying we're ready for a civil war, but in the world of vaccines, we have a civil war. I know, are you saying, are you comparing poor countries to slavery? I'm not. I'm just saying this is, uh, we're fighting over getting vaccinated, but even on a bigger picture, India, Vietnam are getting crushed by COVID right now. And we don't see it on the news because our news doesn't like showing that part of the world. It's not attractive. The hunger that goes on in Africa is appalling. And we don't see it on the news because it doesn't make for attractive news. Gabby Petito leads because she's a beautiful young woman. Do you see what I'm saying? So Johnson Johnson and Moderna boosters are nearly cleared for takeoff. What I'm going to get out of this is I don't think we get to herd immunity. I think the vaccines are incredibly effective. And I think these guys are going to make a lot of money for a lot of years, in large part selling boosters. Am I saying they're a buy? I'm saying I'm looking into it. You should too. Consult a burger advisor. Take action. Any stocks I mentioned. If you don't see the theme there, you're missing the, the puzzle. Um, other things to consider as far as in the news, PayPal is Pinterested in Pinterest. Oh, I know that's clever. PayPal is desperate need of things to put transactions through. It's really interesting because this wasn't lost on me that PayPal is interested in Pinterest. To me, Pinterest is kind of a glorified eBay or of crafts and arts, right? I guess eBay, you can get Jordan sneakers and all that. And PayPal was tied to eBay. eBay acquired PayPal from Elon Musk. 
I find that very interesting that now PayPal is looking for a retail front when they had a retail front with eBay. PayPal is in talks to acquire the wedding and soup site, Pinterest. I know you're saying soup. Go to Pinterest and you'll get it. You'll, you'll make creamy baked potato soup tonight after you see a couple of pictures. Go to Pinterest tonight and you'll see like type in Halloween costumes. and You'll be like, I, I know what I'm going to do for Halloween. Just throwing it down there for you. PayPal has money to play with. Thanks in part to the pandemic. PayPal stock has more than doubled since January 2020. It is a fintech. This could be a huge boost for its push into commerce. The company has moved aggressively to get more people to shop on its site with initiatives like a $20 million investment into creator rewards programs. If the deal is completed, it could fall apart at any time. It would be one of the biggest consumer internet takeovers in years, topping Salesforce's $27.7 million billion purchase of Slack last winter. I think that's an interesting story. It's, again, how do you compete with Amazon? You do it vertically. Will it automatically work? Probably not, but that's how you do it. You don't try to expand your business to the left and right. You try to build on top of it. I'm not going to go buy PayPal because of this. It doesn't hit my radar as a ding, 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 ding. The world can't quit fossil fuels. I can't quit you. With just over a week until one of the most pivotal climate change summits in history, governments are still clinging to fossil fuels. Like my kids clung to their teddy bear, blue bear. It's fantastic when your dog gets your kids uh teddy bear. He's walking around the house and then your kid's just bawling. It's one of those moments that you cherish as a parent. A new UN-backed climate report found that countries plan to extract more than double the amount of fossil fuels in 2030. Required to limit warming to one and a half degrees Celsius, calling it dangerously out of sync with the target set by the Paris Agreement. This year's energy crunch has highlighted just how dependent the world remains on fossil fuels, specifically coal. Coal has created the largest source of greenhouse gases in the electricity sector. Coal prices in China have soared. We're moving into the winter months. In the United States, we'll burn 22% more coal in 2021 than we did last year, marking the first year-over-year uptick in coal generation since 2014. When you see the climate summit news in the headlines next week, just remember, we're, we're consuming energy unlike we've ever done it before. The data is very, very clear to me. Global coal, oil, and gas production, it has to start declining to keep up with manageable levels of any sort of accord that's been put in place, and it's not. Greta Thunberg is now 18 years old. Uh, she got to be a, a sensation for basically going after Trump. And uh, she's the little girl that goes, how dare you? And now she's 18 years old. And there's a TikTok video of her that made the rounds in viral media yesterday of her singing Rick Astley. And uh, what's cool about it is a whole bunch of 18, 21-year-olds all got together and partied on climate change. That's the future. 
We just need to start electing some of those people. Or by the time when they turn 40, 45, 50 and get elected, will they be driving BMWs and happy to consume coal? I don't know. I can tell you that the 70s generation of peace, love, and war hippies, the San Francisco Summer of Love, they all sold out. They all sold out. Those hippies uh, became the BMW Marin hippies, which are people who live in Marin and enjoy the weather. But they drive BMWs because their home values went up and uh, they cashed out and no longer peace and love. Our generations tend to soften our interest in the long term. Anyhow, and anyway, let's move on to some of the other top stories of the day. Donald Trump says he's planning to launch a new online platform called Truth, a social network in 2022. Facebook's recent trademark filings hold clues to the company's new name. Um, This is going to be the funniest story of the year. When Facebook uh, announces a new logo and a new corporate name. For the record, I hate Google changing their name to Alphabet. Anything Facebook does is going to be met with derision, in my opinion. Elon Musk is introducing another alcoholic beverage. More on that as the show unfolds. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Find us at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning, tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Personal loan versus emergency fund. Which one do you use for a home roof repair? Which one do you use for a car crash deductible? Which one do you use? There are no right answers. First and foremost, I think there's just compromises. I think that's true in marriages, and I think it's true in businesses, and I think it's true in finance. More often than not, every single year of your life, you're going to get something that feels like an emergency. You're going to be thrown for a loop. My computer works great right now. It's never had a virus. Knock on wood. Later today, it gets a virus and it's wiped out. I'm going to have to hustle down to Best Buy and get a computer because I have to do this show tomorrow. I can't shop online and go to Dell and find a good value. I have to hustle and get what's available. Let's say that's $1,000. It's probably not emergency fund. It's probably not a loan. Or maybe it's an emergency fund for a month or two and then I rebuild it. But you're going to have to understand that in some extreme cases, a costly home repair, it's going to cost you some money. If you're renting an apartment, you can simply call the landlord or the building management. Have them take care of it on the landlord's time. California has recently started getting rain and I'm like, I live in a new home. Let's see how it holds up. Um, before I moved in, I knew that there was a, a drainage issue because you can smell it. Spent a lot of work, vapor, locking the house, which should keep the water from the wood. 
Um, I believe in long-term investment of preventative maintenance. So I'm trying to prevent water from damaging things. When I first bought the house, I got on my hands and knees and crawled under the house. And I found some wet wood. And I was like, this is not good. Um, so I did preventative maintenance. So I don't have a big cost of repair down the road. That's not a bad idea. I floss. I water pick. I do everything I can to keep my teeth healthy. Because that's preventative maintenance to get an expensive $5,000 set of dentures or whatever dentures cost later in retirement. Depending on your issue, a home repair can really take your bank account by surprise. I was quoted when I bought the home solar from $60,000 all the way up to $115,000. That's a pretty big difference. The roof quote to get a new roof was anywhere between $25,000 to $40,000. I have the finances that I can withstand that without an emergency fund or a personal loan, but I understand most people do not. I would be careful dipping in an emergency fund too often, <clears throat> in large part because it's there for an emergency. And you think the roof needing repairs is an emergency? Sure. And the next week you're going to learn like, oh, <clears throat> I've got cancer and I need <clears throat> aggressive treatment. Or uh, I just rear-ended a car full of attorneys. Try to keep your emergency fund truly for emergencies. I have a home equity line of credit that I can tap <clears throat> and use for emergencies that doesn't tap my emergency fund. So I have the ability to take a loan um, and pay for it over time. I don't know what colleges are gonna cost. I don't know my kids are gonna go to college. But let's assume this. Let's assume they're $50,000 a year and I'll be in retirement or near retirement when they're going to college and I may say, Go get a loan. I'll help you service it. There's nothing wrong with servicing a loan. One of the very first love of my life is a woman named Juliet. Um, I probably should have married her, but I was too caught up in creating a career. She was too. We loved each other passionately. We went to France and we went to front concerts in front rows. Like We lived a good life in our 20s. And her dad, the first time I met him... He knew I was in finance, but he wanted to impart that he knew a little thing or two. Um, you know, the thing you're like, if you're going to be making love to my daughter and you're not married, I'm going to tell you something or something, right? Um, he said, Rob, you're always going to have debt. You'll probably die with debt. And I instantly wanted to, like, not punch him. But I instantly wanted to say something along the lines, no, 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 not me. I'm going to be debt free. And that's like right year one of my career. And what I've learned is debt's okay. On my current home, I've got a 30-year mortgage at 2.3%. Inflation averages between 2 to 4% a year. So 
I'm borrowing money at the rate of inflation. I'm earning money faster than inflation in the stock market. I am okay with that debt as long as I can service it. The trick is don't get to the point where you're upside down and you're juggling or financially engineering. I spoke earlier in the shows, a couple shows back, about financial engineering and how many people in California I've seen lose money on a rental. Not even cash flowing positive, which is insane to me. On my rentals, I want to cash flow 4 to 6% higher than the value of the asset would create in bonds. So I sold a $2.65 million home because I knew that I couldn't rent it for $14,000 a year. A month. I could rent it for $14,000 a year. But I couldn't rent it for $14,000 a month. I knew that I didn't want to be a landlord that charged that kind of money. That would make me uncomfortable asking someone to give me a large chunk of their income just so they could rent a 1,600-square-foot home. So I took that asset when I sold it. I moved it into an income-generating fund that I expect to pull in over $12,000 a year, like $12,000 a month. So you get the idea. I'm really tongue-tied right now. Um, the income that I lost on the rental, I would have been upside down on it. I would have pulled. I would have settled for six thousand dollars a month and felt like I'm a good person helping them out. But I knew that wasn't a good idea. Sometimes you're going to have to do this, and, and like it's okay to have debt when you retire as long as you can service it. Low-cost debt is better than high-cost debt. Super simple, super stupid. But I was able to get a mortgage at 2.3%. That's absurd. Now, you could do that too, or you could have done that two months ago. Rates will always change, but you get the idea of where I'm going at with that. Um, I will always consider turning to my emergency fund first because I have time to replenish it. And I can manage my emergencies, hopefully, but I, I don't go to that personal loan instantly. I use loans as a last resort. The average credit card interest rates around 16.3%, so a personal loan can sometimes be a more affordable alternative on a large expense. Personal loans are made for expenses like home repair, weddings, funerals, vaccinations, vacations, well, vaccinations, and other big expenses. I don't use a personal loan for weddings. I don't use a personal loan for funerals. I want to be cremated or buried in the backyard in a shoebox. I don't use personal loans for vacation. I don't go on vacation if I can't afford it. I'm a little concerned that there's a new trend right now that is basically buy now, pay later. I don't like it. It's a loan. And when we're doing that with groceries, it's a problem. Because you're just waiting for another financial disaster to come along and you're not able to service that loan anymore. And then it gets called on you. The only thing I would use a personal loan for right now is maybe home repair. Personal loans, you can typically drop to $100,000, but different lenders have different borrowing limits. I don't use any of the funding pages. I have no interest in peer-to-peer -peer loans, nothing. 
It's not that I'm against them. It's that I'm against them. <laughs> Did he just say that? Yes. Um, I don't like being one step away from a problem. And you get closer and closer to problems when you start taking out things that you can't afford. Just in my opinion, make sure you can service your debt. Super important. Southwest just launched a record high 100,000 point credit card welcome bonus. Here's why I hate Southwest. I know you're saying this is going to be interesting. I don't like their credit cards. I don't like anything to do with their credit cards. They have this bad history of changing. It's going to be 5,000 points to, to qualify for a free trip to LA from San Francisco. Okay, so it's 500 points. And then a couple months later, it's 550 points. A couple months later, it's 575 points. So the currency doesn't stay stable. They devalue it. So I don't even know what 100,000 points is going to get me. I want nothing to do with it. Um, there's good credit card sites out there to teach you the value of the points. Um, I'm great with credit card points. I just don't, some of them are bad deals, just bad deals. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. NerdWallet's a good website to compare credit card points. NerdWallet. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. Questions about how to invest in your retirement? Check out robblackshow.com and get in on the conversation. Subscribe to the podcast and video channels. No one cares more about your money than you do. It's time to start to feel good about your financial future. RobBlackShow.com. RobBlackShow.com. Thanks for putting up with me. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. I try to stay on track. I don't always do it. Ten-year treasury is climbing closer to 1.7%. As it kicks up to 1617, it'll be a headwind for Wall Street. There's resilience on Wall Street right now. Every time there's a 5% correction, we buy. We're kind of getting Pavlovian about it, which is worrisome. Stock market's having a great year. And we're coming out of the pandemic where we supported our economy with a lot of government money. A lot of people aren't totally confident that the economy could stand on its own two legs. Some two feet. Two legs, same thing, right? Tesla, IBM, LAM Research, AT&T, Dow, Tenet Healthcare, Union Pacific, Freeport McMoran, Blackstone, Crocs, Donaher, Southwest Airlines, all exceeded earnings expectations. But that's kind of a crock of poop. Now let me explain why. When you exceed earnings expectations, it sounds like everything's going great, right? But what happens if you say, I'm going to make $40,000 this quarter? So you're on track to make $160,000 for the year. And you're on record to say, I'm going to make $40,000. But about a month before, you go, ooh, we still have some bills that we haven't paid. Dang it, we're only going to make $35,000. So you go, we're going to make $30,000 this quarter. You lower your expectations. And then... The glory day of earnings come out and you made 35. You're like, we beat expectations. No, no, no. You you lowered your expectations. You beat lowered expectations. A lot of that goes on. 
with that said, how the heck does a company like Apple know they're going to sell 42 million phones in a quarter? And then they end up selling 41.7 or 42.4. It's like, whoa, they got pretty darn close. Initial claims the week ending October 16th decreased by 6,290,000. The second straight week they've been below 300,000. That's the lowest level of initial claims since March 14, 2020. So we're in, a, in theory, an environment that should be good for jobs. Existing home sales report is out there. We'll get to that. But I want to hit some other stories quickly. Aaron Rodgers is saying something that I kind of agree with. Um, he's a Green Bay quarterback, Green Bay Packer quarterback, and he's had the big issue of his contract this year. And he's got this big issue of he, did he marry that actress during COVID? <laughs> You're like, that's kind of weird. Um, so Sunday's football game against Chicago Bears, which is one of the greatest football rivalries ever, Green Bay and Chicago. I think they're fighting for bragging rights, and all I'll just say is I'm glad I live on the West Coast. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Central America to fly over states. Too cold. But on a hot mic, Rogers yelled, all my effing life, I own you. I still own you. I still own you. And he's catching flack for yelling at the fans. Now, here's where the story gets interesting, in my opinion. What you didn't see on the TV, you heard on the TV is him yelling at the fans. And he's a little cocky and it's a little brash, a little arrogant. But there was a woman giving him the double birds, flicking him off. And he just gave her flack. And it's a historical thing for the players to jaw at the fans and the fans to jaw at the players. I don't like this cancel culture we're living in because I think comedians should have the ability to put their foot in their mouth, even if they hurt people. Now, it gets complicated when you're incredibly popular and people are like, oh, he's just incredibly popular. But I think athletes should have the ability to, to, to yell back at a fan. When fans are saying, you suck, I hate you. Um, I get it. I, I think trash talk's okay. Um, I understand that it's not politically correct anymore. And I, I think that's a little bit of a problem. Um, I don't like it when fans touch players, but I'm okay with fans yelling at players. If you pay for a ticket, you can say whatever you want. And I think that's fine. Um, but when you're caught on a hot mic, I don't think you're being disrespectful. I think it's it's part of the game. Um, so very odd that Aaron Rodgers has bled into the segment. But the reason he did is I think we live in an interesting time. And I can't tell you how important it is to talk to your kids about be careful about what you say. This is a show dedicated to getting you to fund your future self. Shipping crisis in California is now so bad that officials say a state of emergency should be declared. Uh, it's really problematic. And here's a case where, again, tough topic for me to talk about, but the unions in the shipping industry are making it worse, saying our people should only work nine to five. They should have a punch card. They should get breaks. At this point in time, we need shipping containers unloaded 24-7, but we need the truckers working 24-7. And yeah, the unions are there for our, our safety and our interest. You want people who are well-trained unloading dock containers. That a robot could do that job is my fear is that it's true. Ships don't have to be unloaded one at a time by a human being. They can be unloaded very quickly with a machine. 
But in the interest of unions, they train people well and they keep the system running, so to speak. I love electrical unions. I like teacher unions. I'm not a big fan of all unions. And look at the difference between Tesla and GM. GM has unions. Tesla does not. Tesla gets a much higher valuation. So in the world of investing, that's what I'm talking about. A um, couple other things to talk about. Bitcoin is doing very, very well. Keep in mind, the last time Bitcoin corrected, it corrected about 50% from its recent high. About 40%, I'm sorry. Um, that's worthy of note because that was just a year ago. So if you can't take that kind of volatility, don't play with that kind of investment. That's the beautiful thing about charts, in my opinion. It doesn't hurt you to look at them. Um, so if you enter into what you think is going to be a trade, take a look at a one-year chart. If you enter into something you think is going to be a long-term investment, take a look at a 15, 20, 30-year chart. When I take a look at Coca-Cola, I go, dang, I want to own that on a 30-year basis. When I take a look at Coca-Cola and go, I wonder if I can turn this $10,000 into $12,000 by Christmas. I go, there's no way with Coca-Cola. Got to look at charts on occasion. It doesn't hurt. And it gives you kind of an expectation of what could happen. Let's see. I wanted to look up Bitcoin because I was trying to incorporate that into the market news today. And I just can't. My internet's kind of goofy today. I wonder why. My buttons aren't working. Um, oh, and then it just started to work. But I still can't find the price of Bitcoin. I'm sorry. I will move on to another topic. U.S. existing home sales rebounded in September. Um, the housing market's strong, and it's going to stay strong because we don't have enough inventory. Existing home sales rose 7%. Uh, Bitcoin, 63769 dollars per coin. Um, the real estate existing home sale prices outpaced analyst expectations of about a 3.6% rise. Now it's 7% was actually came in. This autumn looks like it's the second best autumn home sale season in 15 years. There's another industry that's ripe for uh, consolidation or change, disruption, real estate agents. Um, my real estate agent was going to charge me 3% to sell the home. And I was like, will you take one and a half? Because you bought this home for us 12 years ago. So you've got double transactions on it. And she said, absolutely. But she also knows it went up double in value. More than double in value. So she did well. Keep in mind, my home went up almost double, a little bit over double. But it went up double in value in 10 years. And it went up a little bit more than that in 12 What's interesting to note about that, stock market's more than doubled in seven years. Which is a better market? Housing demand remains strong as buyers likely want to secure a home before mortgage rates increase even further next year. That's going to be the interesting teeter-totter. As 10-year treasury goes higher, mortgage rates go higher. As mortgage rates go higher, you're able to afford less. And that, in theory, should drive home prices lower. September existing home sales soundly beat expectations. Positive job reports are helping. 
median existing price for all housing hit $352,800, up 13.3% from a year ago. First-time home buyers represent 28% of all sales last month. That's the lowest point since July 2015, which isn't that long ago, but it's also telling you that affordability is just not there. Prices are squeezing out the first-time home buyers. Goldman Sachs economists recently forecasted 16% increase in home prices by the end of 2022, citing shortage of inventory. That seems to be the driver right now. Affordability is not the issue, as people are cashing out of their stocks that go up and buying homes. Um, most of them probably not doing it with their paychecks. Um, a large part is probably the right way of saying that. Tesla says if you want the cheapest Tesla made, it's going to take you 10 months to get. If you want the most expensive one, it's going to take about a month. Don't you hate that? They're pushing you to upgrade aggressively. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me on our Rob Black Show. An education-first approach to managing your money. This is The Rob Black Show. So I want to talk real quick, kind of wrap up this hour with where we are in the economy, where we are with stock market. The Fed's supposed to be independent. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. The current Fed, I believe, is constrained by politics. What's the worst thing in the world for the Fed? It's people losing their jobs. And interestingly, in August, people quit their jobs. And I don't think this Fed has the understanding of where we are politically. The Fed has a dual mandate. But over the last 20 years, they've seen a massive shift from the inflation side to the employment side. Dual mandate means they're supposed to say, we want as much employment in the United States as possible, and we want moderate inflation, 2 to 4% most. For the last 20 years, I believe the Fed has looked at the, the employment numbers more than the inflation numbers. Part of that was easy because technology and productivity came along and really had its, its golden days in the 90s and early 2000s. Now we're at the point of inflection where inflation exceeds the pain of unemployment and a lot of people think the feds already lost inflation basically by mumbling inflation's not a problem in the spring and then during the summer saying well inflation's transitory and it's going to go away by the end of summer so it's now saying it's going to go away in 2022 it makes me a bit nervous Inflation's the boogeyman. I say this all the time. In the movie The Running Man, there's a scene where a reporter walks by a, a soda machine and it's like $150 for a soda. And it's supposed to be a joke on when you were a kid. I remember buying Cokes for 25 cents. And then I remember 50 cents and then 75 cents. And then right around a dollar, Coke machines started talking. Do you remember talking Coke machines? <laughs> And that's right when the internet started coming out and people were like, well, on hot days, the Coke machine could charge you $2. On cold days, it could charge you uh, 50 cents. That didn't come into fruition. But the higher price of soda 
the higher price of rent, the higher price of cars. I mean, is it resonating with you? Things are more expensive every year. It's a problem. Over the last 20 years, the Fed has focused on employment, and now they have inflation that's starting to get kind of ugly, over 4%. 2%'s good. 3%'s perfect. 4%'s bad. And it's exponential after that, up and down. So there's a sweet spot. There's precedence. If you read a little bit about the 1970s, the Federal Reserve was captive to the same type of politics, and the Fed only took action once the pain of inflation was worse than the pain of unemployment. It was a different Fed in the 1990s, and when I first bought my first home 20 years ago, I had two mortgages. One was at like 8%, 9%, and one was at 10 11%. My second mortgage was basically used as a down payment I'm happy I did it. I turned a $100,000 home. Three years later, I sold it for, maybe four years later, I sold it for almost 200000 That was sweet. But I couldn't afford that same home at 10% today. Inflation was much bigger, much more of a problem. Interest rates were way higher. And to keep people employed, we've driven interest rates really low to like weirdly insane lows. It keeps the stock market up. The stock market staying up keeps the job market going. They don't work hand in hand. They don't work in tandem. But they, they coincide with each other. Now, I began my career in the 1990s. And it was a different sort of Fed back then. Federal Reserve fund rates rose to 6.5% at the end of 1999. 6.5% in a money market account is pretty damn good. I would take that today in a heartbeat. I would love that, but what I get is one quarter of 1%, not 6.5%. I want to start talking a little bit more about this, but not going into the messiness of it. How do I say this without like sounding really odd? 9-11 happened. And we created a whole new federal bureaucracy, the Department of Homeland Security. We created a smaller one within it, the TSA, the Transportation Security Agency, to help keep people safe. That is the ultimate expression of not allowing any bad outcomes because if you make one mistake, it was catastrophic. We see this elsewhere in the financial world. Banks are no longer taking risk, partly for regulatory reasons, but partly out of a desire to avoid losses. We have a great sanctity of life and we have a great sanctity of not losing money. We don't really understand inflation. We have a free market economy. It's generally accepted that we had expansions and recessions and it was okay. Now we don't like recessions. People losing jobs freaks us out. People would collect temporary unemployment benefits. They'd find different jobs. No big deal. Now it's a big deal. The pandemic has shifted cultural attitudes even further after 9-11 shifted cultural attitudes. We are completely unwilling to accept any negative outcomes. We have this idea. It's like party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. And we've kept interest rates too low. 
and we risk really high inflation or not transitory inflation. That's a little bit of a, I'm not going to say the word wonk. It's a nuisance. At this point in time, paying more for food, paying more for gas, paying more for housing, rents and, and, and mortgages, it's the low cost of money that's, that's stopping it from becoming really heinous. It's a nuisance right now, but we really got to keep an eye on inflation. And you should expose your portfolio to other ideas on occasion. Think about it, okay? I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Find me at EP Wealth. If you need a financial planner, contact me at robblackshow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.